podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. And welcome to a brand new show in our arsenal. Uh, This is called Friday Top 5, in which we discuss the big news stories which are forest or forest adjacent that have come out this week. And in a second, I'm going to be joined by Tom and George to dig our um, dig our thoughts out and, and, and stick our oar in to find out what we really think about the latest news. However, one of the things that we need to do is find out where the news is. And so with that in mind, I'm happy to say that we have got a new contributor to the podcast. And so let's head over and find out what the latest news is from our newest contributor, Jamie. Hi, this is Jamie Martin with your top five forest stories from the 1865 News Desk. Starting off this week's news for Nottingham Forest, the manager, Steve Cooper, has been given more time following the club's draw with Wolves last weekend. The club drew 1-1 with Wolves last Saturday, a game which many expected to be Steve Cooper's final game in a dugout as Forest manager. The Forest ownership is said to have given Steve Cooper more time to turn around bad form. With just one win in 10 games and a tough run of fixtures coming soon, the pressure still remains, despite this small glimmer of hope for the Welsh manager. Forest need points, and soon, with Cooper hoping his last-ditch efforts can see this Forest side get points on the board and stop the rot. In other news, Nottingham Forest owner resigns from his position as Greek Super League chairman. Nottingham Forest and Olympiakos owner Evangelos Marinakis has officially resigned from his post at the Greek Super League, serving as the chairman of the league since June 2022. Following a series of violent incidents across numerous fixtures in the league, all top flight matches in the Greek Super League will now be played behind closed doors until February 2024. In his letter following the resignation, Mr Marinaki seemed frustrated with other board members involved with the league. He wrote, The words of certain board members are not consistent with their actions. I've neither the time nor the desire to continue to be involved in the management of the league. A meeting between board members was scheduled for the 12th of December 2023 to discuss recent issues in Greek football. However, the meeting did not take place following the resignation of Evangelos Marinakis. Harry Toffolo has also been singing high praise for his gaffer Steve Cooper following a tough run of form. Now, it's been a tough watch for the last couple of months for Nottingham Forest fans. Nottingham Forest fans seemingly uh, rock bottom. Despite this, an informed Harry Toffolo continues to prove his worth with many excellent performances and a superb goal against Wolves at the weekend. His first in the Garibaldi Red. Now, Toffolo's rank in the Forest squad was once forgotten, but he's now a major player in Cooper's side and has put his faith in the coach who brought him to the club, as mentioned in his interview with the BBC this week. In that interview, he said, The love and support we've got for the manager, you can see it in an abundance out there. You can see how together the group is, how much everyone wants to play for the manager. Toffolo's praise was later echoed by Cheku Kuyate also this week as he spoke with Sky Sports, again praising the under-pressure Forest coach. Now, some rather exciting news for Forest fans as Forest have appointed a set-piece as coach after a poor set-piece return rate so far in this Premier League campaign. After a long period of no success with set-pieces, Nottingham Forest have hired a set-pieces coach from Brighton in the hope that the Reds can improve on the issue and create more goals in the process. And a necessity in the modern game, really. Simon Rusk, the former manager of Brighton and Hove Albion under-23 side, has officially started his new career at Nottingham Forest this week as set-pieces coach amid calls from fans and the ownership to improve on set-pieces. 
In late November, reports from John Percy at The Telegraph revealed that Evangelos Marinakis was increasingly frustrated at the failure to sign a coach specialising in set pieces. Forrest have scored just one goal from a set piece this season with only Crystal Palace and Burnley joining them with the worst record this season for set piece goals. And finally, an update on Omar Richards' injury situation. Now, since joining Nottingham Forest in the summer of last year, Omar Richards is yet to play a game of first-team football. An initial hairline fracture on his shin when arriving at the club, followed by a hernia and various other setbacks, Richards' start to his career at Forest has been tough, to say the least. Now on loan at Olympiacos, the English fullback is hoping to get his career back on track and fulfil his potential, with reports from Nikos Kotsis in Greece saying that there is a common belief at the Piraeus club that Richards' return to the first-team football is near. He has appeared for the Olympiacos B team in recent months, the only football he has really played since signing for Forest from Bayern Munich for around £10 million last summer. So that's the latest news from the 1865 News Desk I'm Jamie Martin. In the meantime, though, I'll be back soon. I'll be posting Forest News all through the week on at I'm Jamie Martin on Twitter. Follow me there and I'll get more news to you as soon as I can. See you soon. Thank you very much, Jamie. And we'll be hearing from you throughout the next few weeks and throughout the season. Now, we've got some uh, top five stories there. So let's go through those one by one with Tom Newton and George Edwards. And let's start off with that first story. So Stevie Cooper has apparently been given a little bit more time. Um, Tom, is it more time or is it a stay of execution? Well, like I said, um, after the Wolves game in the match report, um, we just need clarity on it now because we can't go doing this every single week if he gets to good results. So um, I, I'm, I'm not in the Steve Cooper in camp and I'm not in the out camp. I just want some clarity because it doesn't do anybody any favours. Because what about if he wins tomorrow night, then doesn't against Bournemouth next week? And I mean, it's one of those like well reverse, isn't it? Forest usually um, sometimes win the um, harder games and the easier games. So if it happens... Tomorrow that would beat Spurs, then he doesn't next week. Yeah, are we going to have this same conversation that we've had in the last couple of weeks or whatever? So, yeah, I just need some clarity now and hopefully we'll just need a win more than anything, not for Steve Cooper, but for the whole club of where we are in the league and uh, hopefully kick on from there going over the Christmas period. Mm, difficult to disagree with that, Tom. Um, George, I mean, we've discussed it on our podcast and Married on the Midlands also went on Talk Sport and said exactly the same thing to uh, to Max Rushton. Um, it's just exhausting, isn't it, when every single week, um, if the result isn't right, then there's all this speculation about the gaffer's future, isn't it? Yeah, and it's relentless and it's been a feature of the club for years, hasn't it, with Forrest really constantly going through managers and whenever we seem to have a bad period of form, it's always the manager's under pressure. And I suppose that's modern football, that's Premier League football with the spotlight that's on you, with everyone. You know, TalkSport didn't know we existed two years ago. And now, whenever we lose a game, Steve Cooper could be sacked. Jim White was at Craven Cottage speaking to Steve Cooper after the game. And, you know, that, that's what comes with the Premier League. We've got to accept that. And as much as the fans are going to back Steve Cooper, I think the pressure that's been put on them to, to keep him in his job, really, it isn't really fair. And they're going to sing his name. They're going to keep getting behind him as I think he's the right guy to do it. I think he deserves at least till the end of the season because every season under Cooper, we've exceeded expectations. And although it's not the best start, we're doing better than last season and there's nothing to say that he can't carry on this. So I think we do need clarity and 
Maranakis has provided that twice before by giving him a new contract last season and then coming out and backing him. So he probably, he's probably getting sick of keep having to do this and, you know, him storming out against Fulham didn't help things. But I just hope that the club do have some clarity and I hope it's not down to the players to get that clarity because it always seems like Forrest have got to just keep winning games for the questions to go. Yeah, and thank you, George. And and Tom, just to come back to you, at the Wolves match, I think one of the things that was noticeable was that, that there was a, a, a unity on the pitch and and a level of um, um, mental performance as much as anything else that, that stood out compared to the previous few weeks. So is that something that you think will, again, buy the gaffer a little bit more time? Yeah, yes and no, because all right, it was a good result in terms of it stopped the rot and everything, but at the same time, we need wins. And when you look at that team, what was picked last week, you play so you've spent quite a bit of money on. I know Gibbs White played and, and everything, but Sangari never even got um, come onto the pitch. Origi was didn't come on the pitch. Um, Dominguez didn't, and sometimes you might have to rely on these players. And, and whether or not Steve Cooper's lost them in terms of they don't believe in them or whatever it's just and it's going to be hard to turn that around that relationship if it is broken down with certain players um but it depends what team he puts out tomorrow because first and foremost we need the win but um yeah I think if he picks that team what he picked against Wolves I think it's just going to be um bit of a back against the wall and there's not really much attacking Ranes on the field is they when you're looking for goals and especially at home um, we need to uh, start winning games first and foremost. Mm. And of course, it'll be tonight by the time that our our, our, our listeners are hearing this. So, uh, George? I think Cooper has, has gone back really to what he trusts. I mean, you saw the lineup that he chose against Wolves. It was three three new signings and the subs that he brought on. All three players that came on were players from last season and all the players that stayed on the bench are new players. So, I think in adversity, he's often gone back to the back five, the systems that he trusts. And I mean, he's done it before in the championship, going to the back five. It wasn't the sort of low block that we're used to, but against Fulham, when we beat them 1-0, it could be that. So he's always been that type of manager and he's tried to sort of move away from that to become, make Forest more attractive and maybe win more games. But when the going gets tough, he's always gone back to this style and this system. And it does seem to work for him, especially at home against teams like Tottenham. You can you can realistically see Forrest picking up a point there, like Tom mentioned a few minutes ago, as opposed to against Bournemouth. And that's what that style brings, I suppose. So he's gone back to basics. He's gone back to what he trusts. And maybe if Forrest wants to play a different style of football, to do that. But I think, like I say, he deserves the season to be able to show that he may be able to. Okay, thank you. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the next story that Jamie brought to us. So Evangelos Maranakis has resigned as the chairman of the Greek Super League. Now, depending upon your point of view, you could either say he's frustrated or maybe a bit mardy. What do you reckon, Tom Newton? I, don't, I honestly don't know what's happened over there. Um, I mean, they've they've had trouble for years, haven't they, in Greece regarding... Uh, the administration side of the their FA and the league and everything, and then what's happening in neighbouring Turkey with the um, with the chairman uh, punching the referee. I was going to say, let's 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 just um, remind ourselves that uh, thus far, Maranakis nor any other Greek chairman have <laughs> gone onto the pitch and punched an official. So could be but worse. Uh, but no, it's um, the football over that part of Europe's a bit murky at the moment. But I don't know what's actually. Um, kicked off because it's always like these conspiracy theories regarding Olympiakos and Maranakis, um, which have been 
which follow him around like wildfire over there. So, um, yeah, I don't know too much why he's resigned and what's kicked off and why the football's got to be played behind closed doors until February. So um, George might, or the others might be um, a bit wiser than me of what's actually happened over there. Well, George, uh, firstly, I have no idea if you can shed any light on it. But secondly, um, do we think that this will have any bearing upon Maranakis's um, position at the city ground in terms of is he more likely to sort of throw his weight behind Forrest a little bit more? And does that mean that it will affect things, you know, in Nottingham? Uh, well, first of all, there's not much I can shed light on and this certainly isn't one of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's a very that's maybe just the figure of him with his beard and his quite imposing sense, but he does look a very angry figure quite a lot of the time. And <laughs> even, um, even in that palace away game, you know, when we, when we had that party at palace, he was the sort of one that wasn't getting involved. And I suppose he's keeping his head down and looking for the future. So I hope he's just letting off steam over there. We're quite happy for him to fire Olympiacos managers, take out Deadwood um, and rip their league to shreds. So it quite possibly could be him letting off steam over there to uh, maybe not do over here. So that's fingers crossed that he keeps that over there and doesn't bring it to uh, to Nottingham because we don't need that toxicness around here. Very diplomatic there, George. Okay, <laughs> so that's two stories down and three to go. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Tis the season for festive football, and what's the best way to watch it? Down at your local Green King Sports pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with friends old and new. So get down to your local for a refreshing pint, some delicious food, and live action of every Christmas cracker. Every fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon is live at Green King Sport, which is wall-to-wall action on the giant HD screens, and you can watch every winning goal, top bins volley, and one of many dodgy VAR decisions that we will be seeing over the Christmas period. Download the Green King Sports app and you will receive 10% off drinks every single time they're sport on the telly. And what's more, you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to the Friday Top 5. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and our new show, The Friday Top Five. My name is Rich Ferrara, and I'm joined by Tom and George. And our third story that Jamie brought to us a little bit earlier was praise from Harry Toffolo, Cheku Kiate, and since recording, now Morgan Gibbs-White. And the phrases that uh, that all the players are using, they're talking about love and support. They're talking about how they want to play for Steve Cooper and going back to what we what you said earlier George it's noticeable that Cooper went back to the nucleus of last season's squad um as his tried and trusted lieutenant isn't it yeah and it's not a surprise that he did that because last season we had that unity at the end of the season where we were just getting results and the city ground was a place where everyone feared and this season as of yet, it hasn't been somewhere that anyone has feared. Um, you look at the home games that we've had, I don't think we've really dominated one apart from Villa. I mean, I'd argue the Luton game as well, but um, we've, that's been overshadowed by the two late Luton goals. And I was quite happy with that performance. And that's what I took away from that game. But understandably, there was frustration there. So, I mean, the interviews this week, they seem very sort of PR driven, um, but they're all got the same message. And you see that that is coming from the dressing room. It's just how much of the dressing room is that coming from? And I'm not in a position to know whether 
he speaks for the whole dressing room, but it is notable that it was Kiate, it's Gibbs White and it's um, Toffolo who are coming out who aren't any of the new crop. The thing about those three players is you know it's genuine because you look at Toffolo, who was our last choice left back at the start of the season and has had to work so hard to play there, now taking corners and now he looks like he's undroppable. And Kiate, who's had one game, he might come off the bench in an earlier game, but really his first start, I'm pretty sure, against Wolves. And he's showing that same love and, I mean, I, I doubt he would have been approached for, for an interview because, you know, he's not one of the mainstay figures and he probably didn't have to say that. So you do hope that that is genuine and it does seem like what the players have been saying is genuine. So if, if that translates onto the pitch, it'll be interesting to see and it'll be interesting to see how many of the new signings can weave the way back into the side um, with Cooper because, I mean, based on that performance against Wolves, it wasn't outstanding. But apart from maybe Elanga, who I thought struggled to get into the game, I think if anyone gets dropped, they'll be felt hard done by Mm, Tom, I mean, is it down to the fact that those are the players who Cooper trusts and therefore uh, they trust him? Or is it also down to the fact that some of the new signings and just to use players like Dominguez and Sangare, we could maybe talk about Felipe and Murillo. Some of those players don't speak very good English. So is that part of it as well? Um, I'd say so. And then you look at the players who have actually come out in the press um, with Toffolo, who's um, Cooper's liked and mentioned that last season. Got Morgan Gibbs White's Steve Cooper's signing from last summer, who he wanted. So um, I think it's pretty much that really. And Sangari and Dominguez not really going to speak to the uh, media because, like he says, English is not their first language and they might not be totally fluent. So they don't want to say something which uh, might be misinterpreted. So uh, I think it's a wise move that they haven't said anything and you just want them to get back on a football field and actually let their football do the talking rather than like some hollow words in the press. Mm. And um, just going back to what George was saying and, and what we discussed a bit earlier as well. I mean, with the players like Dominguez, Sangare, um, one or two others, I mean, we could say Montiel, he seems to have been, have dropped down the pecking order and so on. Um, is there also something whereby the players who aren't used to the Premier League, but they have played at high levels in other leagues around the world, and is there something to be said for the fact that the Premier League is a tough league to join? It's an even harder league to join when the team's not doing well. And maybe that's why they have fallen out of contention just in the last, you know, when the pressure's on. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, and I think the, some other factors with that is that the, the players will come over on like deadline day or whatever. And probably for so many weeks or months, they might have to stay in a hotel in like then things aren't going well for you like looking around and thinking Christ have I made the right move to come to England so there's all, all those other factors where as a football fan will just automatically think oh because they're being paid like 50 grand 60 grand a week whatever they can just like walk into a, a football club and excel and it doesn't work like that because at the end of the day they're still humans they're still if you take me for example and go and put me in Spain like tomorrow, I won't be able to adapt. I won't be able to do the job to the best of my ability because I'll be unsettled. And these players like do it quite often, if you know what I mean, when they go from like club to club after their contracts um, or whatever, or within the contract where it's like they only spend like two years. So I think you've got to put those factors into it as well. It's not just a match of like kicking football around for what 90 to 100 minutes. It's the cultural factors as well and the language and everything else that goes with it. Yeah, George? And I think it's the sheer volume of new players that we've had. I mean, that lineup against Fulham, I noted that the only player that was there two years ago in our promotion season was Ryan Yates. So apart from that, everyone has been in the door for the past two years. So 
maybe if you get one or two new signings, um, then it's quite easy to bed them in. But when you've got half the team that are new, new to the system, new to the city, new to the league, then they're always going to take a while to adapt. And Dominguez, Sangari, Mangala, that seemed to work for a while. But I think it was always going to be found out because you can't expect these players to come in and hit the ground running straight away and, and build up a consistent run of form. So it's an unsurprising issue that Forest have got. And I'm not surprised that we've gone back to basics, really. Yeah, and and I would just for for to add my my two penneth on that. I mean, we saw Dominguez um, look really dynamic in his first few games, and then he's dropped off. And I think that's maybe down to that kind of it's almost like the adrenaline factor wears off, especially when results are going against um, Sangare. He sort of started a bit slowly. He started making telling contributions. The stats prove it. But then again, he looked absolutely lost in the last couple of matches. So again, maybe there's that element whereby kind of the reality catches up a little bit but let's move on um George you mentioned earlier about um Toff now taking more set pieces and especially when Morgan was dropped uh for a game we saw Toff as the main set piece supremo and we've appointed a set piece coach who was previously at Brighton so Simon Rusk this is something that Evangelos Maranakis had publicly said that he wanted according to John Percy um is this a good move George? I think so. I think it's something that's been coming because, I mean, as a Premier League side that we are now, we were thrust into that and we didn't have any dynamic, any setup of a Premier League club. So our priority coming up was to sign players, to sign people that are going to keep us in this league. And then things like a set-piece coach maybe aren't in the forefront of your mind. But now that issue has really been prevalent this season and it's what all the established Premier League clubs have. So it's not a surprise that Forrest have done that. I mean, I saw something on Twitter today. I mean, it's Twitter. Who knows how reliable it's going to be? Um, but there was this sort of chart and there was an x-axis where it was goals scored from set pieces and a y for goals conceded and Forest were high upon the y and barely on the x. So it's an issue that um, it's been stark all season. And as a team like we are, we don't create that many chances. We're not going to create 15, 20 chances a game. So when we get these opportunities, we've got to start taking them going forward. I think this season we've only scored from Bali from that free kick at Man United from what I can remember when it and mm-hmm. even then it hit his face and went in. It's not like he headed it in. So um, that was quite a, a lucky one, to be fair. So we've got to get better at that. And then defensively, I mean, against Fulham and Wolves, maybe we haven't conceded some set pieces, but there was a run of t- games where we were just getting absolutely pelted and conceding every time. And you look at teams like Luton, like Brentford, who have made set pieces through a reason that they're in this league and fighting because they work so hard to get those opportunities, put a perfect ball in. I mean, they're Alfie Dow to their left-backs, at one stage, it created the most chances of any player in the league for Luton. Mm. So I think it's something that teams do and we haven't done enough. The delivery, like I say, is a big factor with Toffler. Hopefully we've got that. The one reservation that I do have is the fact that I've looked into him slightly. and I've not seen that he's sort of got a specific set-piece background. He's more sort of a general coach. So hopefully that'll come and hopefully he does specialise in that. But I think it's a move that was always going to come and it's about time that Forrest did that. And and Tom, one of the things that I would say, and, and actually George and I discussed this after the West Ham match, is that um, defending is something you have to do as a team. So it's not just about saying, well, we need to be better at um, delivering the ball into the box because you score as a team, you you concede as a team. So it's not, yes, the delivery needs to improve in offensive situations, but the players need to be moving and, and, and shaping in the right way. And then defending, um, one of the things that I've noticed, yes, there were matches like West Ham where we just didn't defend properly. But the other thing that I've noticed this season in particular is that all too often 
defending the first ball hasn't been too much of a problem, but defending the second ball, we've all we're always we're always second best. We're always second to that second ball in what should be a situation where Forrest should be shaping to kind of to get rid. Um, so in that sense, it seems a bit of a no-brainer, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, and I've I've noticed as well that on some set pieces, you there might be somebody who's like you're the one who's made the first contact. Like, isn't I know he hasn't been played recently, but oh, whoa, well, you go and make the first contact. And then, but it seems nobody knows who's going to make the first contact. So they get all get drawn to the ball. Then next minute, you're leaving somebody on back post or whatever, um, and then like you say, don't get the second ball. So it's. It's a long time coming, isn't it, of this set piece? We knew it was a problem at times last season and and hopefully this will stop the rot in terms of the um, goals conceded from set pieces and hopefully on the training pitch and we can conjure up something because I can't remember the last time we actually scored direct from a free kick. It's got to be... I think, looking back, I think the last time we scored, like... I don't think it actually went in direct. It was uh, Joe Go- um, Joe Garner, James Garner against yeah. Stoke on that two-two yeah. when he hit the bar. And I, I, I think that was the last Lingard, one. Did Lingard score away at Blackburn last season from a free kick? Oh, yeah, double deflection. Yeah. I think that's that's, well, that's being generous. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. his goal. We've um, got to be generous. The situation we're in, though, aren't we? That that's true. Yeah. Um, if you get, if there's any straws to be clutched at, we'll go for that. Um, and Tom, I'm just going to stay with you because you mentioned about training ground there, and this brings us to our final story. I think we can do this one quite briefly. Omar Richards, he's out on loan. He's barely kicked a ball for a year year and a half and he's back in training um do you think we'll ever see him in a forest shirt again or full stop do you think we'll ever see him in a forest shirt <laughs> um if he gets a good loan uh spell under his belt at olympiakos yes because we haven't got a lot of um i know Ayn has come in and he started well in his forms dropped off and toffolo seems to be the absolute shoeing at the moment because there's nobody else really on any decent form so it'd be nice for him to get a decent loan spell under his belt come to first clubs if you remember we we have spent quite a lot of money on him 10 million quid and and with ffp and everything we, you don't want to be um signing players for 10 million quid and never playing and then you're not going to get a resale value or whatever because obviously of how many well he hasn't played as many games as he would like in the last couple of years. So, um, so yeah, I'd uh, I like him to come back and um, hopefully hit the ground running, and um, hopefully one day we'll see him in the fire shirt and see if he actually does exist. <laughs> and George, I mean, what, all I'd say is that I was he, of of all the signings we made that su- that summer, he was one I was quite excited about because he was. You know, somebody who had real strong potential went to Bayern Munich and, and created a, a positive impression. And, and the fact he lost his place there wasn't necessarily down to his own personal form. It was down to changes in tactics, changing changes in management and so on. So he's a bit of a victim of the situation there, but a player with massive potential. And, you know, just from a human angle, it's an absolute crying shame if he if his career is over down to, you know, freak injuries. Yeah, it would be because he was such a promising player. I remember when he was at Reading and they had two brilliant fullbacks um, and he was one of them. He was fantastic and it, he, he was either going to get a move to the a The other would be Chris or... Gunter, yeah? Okay, maybe maybe not that far back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too young to even have seen Chris Gunter play for Forest, so... That oh, no, 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 well, there we go. Well, but, but, you know, we spent the Gunter money on yeah. Omar Richards and then it's not worked out. Yeah, and, and he was brought in, I think, both... Both seasons with the intention to be number one because last season it was we signed him and then Toffolo, but I think he was 
going to be the number one. Then he got injured and we signed Lodi on loan. And then this season, if you look, we'd signed Aina, who was sort of a right and left fullback, and then um, Toffolo as well. So there was hope that he'd come back. There was a few pictures of him in training. We realised he, that he did exist, like you say, and then he disappeared again. And we had to bring in Tavares, which ultimately hasn't worked out either. So I do hope that he can put, put his injuries past him because he looked like a fantastic player before he came here. And we've probably spent close to 20 million now on all the planes and all the treatment on him. So let's hope we finally get some money back for that. And, and speaking of forgotten left-backs, I'd, I'd more or less forgotten about Nuno Tavares, so thank you for reminding me. Um, that brings us to the end of our very first Friday Top 5. So thank you very much, listener, for joining us. Thank you to Tom Newton, to George Edwards, and of course, thank you to our news hound, Jamie Martin. And of course, we will be back with our match report. We shall be recording that tomorrow morning, so we'll have a chance to sleep on tonight's Spurs match, and we will be talking about the match, win, lose or draw. Hopefully, we'll be able to get a good result back at the city ground and i'm really hoping for a cracking atmosphere and uh, get behind the lads get behind the gaffer we'll be back in your feed very very shortly thanks a lot for joining us Podcast Network.